day or good evening or whenever you are listening to this. You are currently listening to the History Hearings Podcast, the number one podcast for history and trip to the past. My name is Nyla Zabedi here with Jana Elmondo. And I, Noor Jalabi, will be your host for today's history topic, feudalism in Europe. It's actually been a huge request for my listeners to talk about. This is such a prominent feature that makes up the European Middle Ages. Yes, I too have been waiting for us to finally talk about this. Not gonna lie, I'm kind of excited too. Uh, Oh, really? Oh yeah, we're going to be taking a trip back to the 10th century. A time of war, hardships, nobles, and knights. You can only imagine what kind of exciting yet uncertain world they lived in, which is what makes this this topic so interesting. (laughs) Good point, Jana. But now getting back on track, we've got a bunch of things to talk about when it comes to the social system of feudalism, like how it started, what the system structure was, the economy, society, and yada yada yada. Indeed we do. Many of our listeners prior to this week's podcast have been sending in questions about this topic, so stick around to have your questions answered. Okay, guys, now before we dive deep into feudalism and all, I thought we could just give a little bit of a background and some context onto what it actually is. Mm. Alrighty then, uh, Jana, please take it away. Great, let's go all the way back to the 5th century. So during this time, Western Europe had been going through a cycle of built and broken down kingdoms with many fights, many wars, and many, many invasions. Because of all these unsettling wars and invasions, people started to lose faith in their strong leaders, lacking in any sort of central authority. This was especially prominent when the Treaty of Verdun was signed in 843. Sorry to interrupt, Jenna, but those who don't know what the Treaty of Verdun was, it was basically this treaty between the three grandsons of Charlemagne splitting the Frankish kingdom. If you had listened to last week's podcast, you would have known that Charlemagne or Charles the Great had re-established the Holy Roman Empire that was broken down and derived from the Frankish Kingdom and was one, if not the most accomplished leader from the Carolingian dynasty. Indeed, he was the embodiment of a central authority. But it was all a shame when the three grandsons took over after the death of their father, or, you know, Charlemagne's son. Yeah, those brothers often fought each other regarding how much land they got from the empire and decided to split it into three different kingdoms. But during that time, actually earlier, the Carolingians weren't the only facing civil problems. From 800 to 1000, the whole of Western Europe was under repeated invasions from the Vikings, Magyars, and Muslims. It broke down not only the empire and brought an end to the Frankish kingdom, but... This lack of authority and strong rulers left the western side of Europe very vulnerable and for more invasions to take place. I don't know about you guys, but if I were living in a time like that, oh boy, would that be scary. Which is actually why many of the people from these former kingdoms turned to local rulers who could protect them on a smaller scale. Oh, really? Yeah, the local rulers or lords would come to be known as the nobles, gaining large amounts of land from kings in exchange for army men, but more on that later. Just to keep it simple, the social system in medieval Europe, feudalism, was developed due to these harsh and unsettled times. 
actually, this new development of this social system also brought upon this kind of system structure of how different people play different roles in this new social order. But before we get into the whole thing, it happens to be conveniently one of the most asked questions by our listeners. Stay tuned. This first question was sent to us by Carl Weiser, one of our loyal podcast fans. Here, listen. Uh, hello? Hello, hello? Is, is this working? Oh, okay, great. Um, hi, hello. My name is Carl, and I've been listening to the podcast for years. And I've taken up an interest in feudalism. And I was just wondering if you could just explain a little bit about this type of system structure they had. That would be fantastic. Okay, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for listening to our podcast. That means a lot. Now, regarding system structure, the Eurofeudal system had four stages in which each had a different role in the society. King, nobles, knights, and peasants. Actually, much of the system structure resembled China under the Zhou Dynasty and other Asian countries later on through the years, like Japan. Oh, Wasn't it ordered in some sort of pyramid thing? Exactly. If we were to organize people's roles in order, kings would sit at the top, then peasants would mark the bottom. The king is well known for being the head of the state, living a very typical royal luxurious life. Wow. In a world in such peril, I'm surprised he seems so relaxed. Oh, but no. Though the king always seemed to live a very easy and simple life full of comfort, he was responsible for a lot of things, trying to improve and protect his state at all costs. In order to protect his state, nobles would be there to offer support. The second level under kings came the nobles, or lords. Luckily for them, they had a relatively easy and simple life, since they didn't carry a huge role in the society yet had all the rights and responsibility for simply owning huge plots of land. That sounds kind of corrupt. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Well, yeah, these were desperate times. Nobles were granted the use of land that legally belonged to the king. Why? Well, they had the military and they had loyalty. These two factors would grant kings to protect their state. But now you must be wondering, What military services? Well, under the nobles or lords would come the knights or vassals. They were poor and didn't have many rights, but carried a big role in the society. Knights were mounted horsemen who pledged to defend their lords' lands in exchange for fiefs or small pieces of land. Though knights were second to last on the system structure, they were to be respected and honored, especially by peasants. Are you referring to the code of chivalry? Precisely. Peasants were considered the lowest class in the feudalism structure. It's kind of ironic knights were seen as the most important when the peasants were the backbone of the society. What's even more ironic is the fact that peasants were the weakest in the society. Quite an overwhelming and distressing life. They had no rights or wealth, struggling to serve their family. And trust me when I say this. Peasants in the Middle Ages had kids like wild rabbits, so you can only imagine. Actually, 
During the European Middle Ages, most of the people were peasants, or commonly referred to as serfs. Serfs were people who could not lawfully leave the place they were born. Serfs were not slaves. Their lords could not sell or buy them, but what their labor produced belongs to their lords since they provided land. Wait, wait, wait. I don't get it. How are people classified as poor or not? What makes nobles more superior and peasants such a low class? I've heard nothing of currency coins or- Fifes! And pieces of land. Nobles got huge amounts of land, and knights got small amounts, peasants got land that they can stay on to survive. How else were they supposed to perform their role in society? The economic systems were different then since land was the item of value. Back, this happens to be another topic of feudalisms many of you have been asking us about, the economy of European feudalism. So, stick around. Interacting with the listeners have been fun, huh? Of course. It is. Well, you heard it here first, fellow historians. Please feel free to send us any questions regarding whatever topics we're going to cover on the podcast. Like how our next listener, by the name of Raquel, sent us this. Hi, name's Raquel. I took a liking in this feudalism system with all the richest at the top. Leaving all those, uh, peasants at the bottom... But I just don't understand how land made people rich. Like, my dad owns a ton of land, but that's nothing compared to all the green dollar bills in our bank. Care to explain? Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, Well, thank you, Raquel, for asking. So when we are talking about the economics and how it worked in these feudal states, we're talking about the type of production and consumption of goods, services, and the supply of money, or basically how people interact with things of value. Oh, so just like how we use money or credit cards to buy goods that we can't make from home? Yes, except people back in the feudal system didn't have money, they had land. As I've mentioned, it all started with the kings giving land to nobles in return for loyalty and military service to protect their states. These large amounts of land would be referred to as the Lord's Manor, to which he would provide peasants or serfs with housing, farmland, and protection from the bandits. In return, the serfs would tend the lord's lands, cared for the animals, and performed other tasks to maintain the estate and get produce and survive. This system is known as the manor system. Now before I go on, do any of you know what that is? It was something about how it was an organizing principle of rural economics, which gave legal and economic power to the lord of the manor. Exactly. During this time in Europe, it was the perfect economic arrangement since the threats to people's safety were small-scale and local. So fives had knights motivated to continue fighting for nobles, and nobles had motivation to be loyal to kings for land. Fun fact, actually, five holders or the knights had to swear loyalty to the person from whom they got the fife, their noble or lord, in a ceremony called homage. 
So this was kind of like the currency exchange for their military service and all. On the other hand, we have the peasants who couldn't own any land and just worked on it. But I mean, they couldn't really complain since after all they were safe and sheltered. They could survive. But over time, peasants started to recognize their lack of rights and power, and they could never move up in the system, but just provided for the higher orders. Which, uh, if you think about it, it's kind of it's kind of sad. It sure is. That system got abolished in Europe because of Parliament in 1645. So they had to live under those conditions for so long. That economic arrangement rubs me the wrong way with the way. People seem so divided in the class type systems, the social order between all of these roles, yet so well defined, really just makes me concerned and feel a little sympathy since it's so unfair. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, these interactions between the different roles really made everything set in stone. You were either lucky to have land and an army, or unlucky to simply be put with all the other commoners doing labor twenty four seven. Sure, during this time, the economy and land as currency worked, but now, oh gosh. Of course, I mean the ways people socialize and have their different lifestyles interact with each other is so different now compared to back then. Just like how currency developed from land to money, the social sides of European feudalism were very divided, and we need to dig deeper into this. So stick around to hear more. Wow, we sure have talked a lot about feudalism. Yeah. But not nearly enough. We've been talking a lot about its economy, structure, its history. But let's take it a step further and put ourselves into the shoes of these people for a second. Since feudalism focused so much on the specific roles the people had to play, what was it like? We actually have a listener here, Colin Ayanov, whose wonders align with ours. Duh! I finally got this blimp to start recording. Hello, my name is Colin Ivanov. I enjoy your history podcast because it makes me laugh to see a world that lacks the true and superior social order, communism. Briad, enough about me. You talk a lot about history and how society develops, but I want to learn about the social sides, the people, the life, so that I can be fully immersed. Yes, do that, you gobniks, and blin, it will be good. What an interesting group of listeners we've picked up today. Well, you guys know what else is different—the ways of life and the social order of European feudalism. Of course. of course. Talking about the social side of feudalism, we're going to talk about social structures and the interaction of different groups in society. But Noor has already discussed the structure of the feudal society, so let's just focus on the interactions between the people. What do you、uh, mean by that? Let's take it step by step, starting off with the kings. Oh, the kings. Though you may have thought that they lived in luxury, they actually lived in an everlasting stress-induced position, right? With an idea of central authority not respected as much as before, kings had much to prove of themselves if they wanted to develop as much power as they possibly could. However, this created an unbelievable dependence on the nobles to help them protect their states. Little did they know, they simply just fueled the power of the hungry lords. What would life have been if this relationship seemed so flawed? Well, nobles generally had an easy life since they were given the luxury of having their own land. So, 
While King Slave the race to protect, nobles sat around getting free produce from peasants and having armies fight for the king getting more land. Even noble women had a relatively uneventful and easy life. All they did was perform services in the church, eat, pray, and do that at least three times a day since they had nothing else to do. What about the knights? If their main role was to fight and protect the states to gain fiefs, which are the lands that nobles provided, how easy or hard was it for them? Well, for one, it was dangerous. I mean, putting your life on the line for a piece of land that was the size of next to nothing and still swore your loyalty to the Lord, there was little freedom. I guess one of the positive things knights also got was the amount of respect and honor. Prominent to the age of chivalry, Still, they had to fight for their lives, go through so much training, and more. And although their services gained a lot of respect for being courteous and brave, peasants, oh my. They definitely got the short end of the stick. They didn't get the stick at all. They were mistreated by knights, sought inferior to nobles in every other role, not only men, but especially the women. They worked 24-7 to have a decent living, and by that I mean having the chance to survive. It wasn't a life. It was survival. I mean, these peasants, which was the majority of the population at the time, were the basic structure that helped build the societies. Without them, people wouldn't have food, goods, and products. Yet, what do they get in return? No rights, no freedom, and just a simple place to live where they get overworked and basically overused. Imagine, compared to the noble women, women, peasants, and tended animals did the farming, took care of the children, and took care of the family. But at the same time, There weren't any revolts, were there? Of course not. The European Middle Ages were desperate and unsafe times. People valued a shelter and any type of food they could get. What was they to complain about? The serfs grew up knowing they couldn't be a higher class, knowing agriculture was going to be their life, knowing they owed much to the higher orders, and knowing that they weren't seen as important. It is kind of tragic, but I mean, of course it was never going to last forever. Thanks to the bubonic plague and other events which we need not discuss, peasants found their value, which is kind of a wholesome end to their rural development. And here's where our journey ends. Thanks to England and France's development and judicial system similar to Parliament, Nobles lost power, kings gained power, and peasants were seen as citizens. More on that next week as part of the bonus hour. But aside from that, what a trip down history lane, right? Oh It was a joyride. You know, now that I look back on it, feudalism in Europe doesn't seem so different from systems we have today. I mean, the only difference now is how there is more freedom and opportunity to be whatever role you want. Yeah, without feudalism, I don't think we would have ever been able to learn what social order works and what doesn't. Indeed. Now, this is the part of the show where we just like to give a quick thanks to all of our amazing historian listeners out there. Yes, thank you for joining us today to talk about feudalism. How it started, its economy, society, and its structure. We sure have covered a lot. Oh, and we'd also like to thank our special guests and curious listeners. Carl, Weezer, Raquel, and Colin. I hope that you have learned more about European feudalism. 
we continue to encourage all of you at home, in the car, at the gym, or wherever you are, to continue to be curious about history too. Yes. And a few more shout-outs go to our sponsors, also known as our sources, History, Ducksters.com, Britannica.com, Ancient.eu, Crash Course, The Pacifist, and of course, Miss Sarah, our history teacher. We're your hosts, Nyla, Noor, and Jana. You have been listening to the History Hearings Podcast. See you next time. Signing off.